Welcome to season five of the For Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Wilcoxon, and one of the lay elders here at Redemption Church Gateway. This season, we are going to interview the members of our elder team and their wives. Elders were mentioned throughout the Old Testament, yet were established as an official office within a local church by Paul in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 of the New Testament. The Bible will also use words such as pastor, shepherd, elder, and overseer interchangeably for the same role. Each season of life and cultural shift brings new opportunities and challenges for the leadership of any church, and we here at Redemption Church Gateway are no different. As we continue to navigate change while being faithful to Jesus, it made sense for our congregation to get to know the elder team uh, on this season of the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Luke and Molly Simmons. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeffrey. Yeah, buddy. It's great to be here. Yes. Awesome. Um, All right. So quick family overview. How long you been married? How many kids, pets, et cetera? Yeah, we were married in December of t- 2001. So uh, I guess at this point then, it's been 21 years. It'll be 22 in December. Uh, we have four kids, uh, Abby, Caitlin, Mary, and Hank. And so uh, at the time of this recording, they're about to head into uh, senior year of high school, freshman year of high school, fourth grade, and first grade. Wow. And any pets? No pets we at the moment. Pets. Oh, yes, we do have pets. Sorry. <laughs> We'd like to not have them, but we do have them. Sh- right. Can you share more? <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, we are the proud owners of two guinea pigs. Um, oh. I guess we're the grandparents because they're Mary's. <laughs> and it was great to give them to her one Christmas as a surprise. And It's been pretty much bad every day since. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Giving them was fun. But you're waiting for a day when you are no longer pet owners. She recently said she might be open to trying to sell them. Oh, okay. Which sounds awesome. Nice. So. Yeah. They're not great pets. They're, they're not great. They don't so you, do would not in, you would not endorse guinea pigs? You know, this, people think they're great kind of starter pets, but they're not very fun. They don't really do very much. They There's, run away and smell real bad. So. Yeah. It's interesting, though. They can hear when we open the fridge in the morning, and they start squawking at you because they kind of imagine that maybe some food is on their way. So That's interesting. Wow. Anyway. So how did you guys meet? Yeah, we met in college at the University of Illinois. We were both athletes there, and the first time we actually met was at um, Campus Crusade for Christ meeting right at the beginning of the school year. Um, And we met there, and I actually thought his name was Lou because it was really (laughs) loud. And he was introduced to us, to myself and some friends that were there, and I thought it was Lou. I actually wrote his number down and his phone number. His yeah, name. right away she yeah. got my digits. Nice. Right away. She's yeah. like, I got to get this guy's number. Yeah. And Absolutely. Lou. <laughs> no, but the reason you got my number was because we were both athletes, as you said, mm-hmm. and uh, there was an athlete ministry called Athletes in Action. And so I said, hey, I'd love to know when that kicks off. Will you guys let me know? So you know, gave her my number. It really, at the time, I, there was no romance to it. Uh, it was just like, oh, wow, here's some other believers who are also athletes at this big, big 10 school. And, oh, this is kind of neat. Yeah. So, but it yeah. made an impression on you. It did. Yeah. He was there by himself. So that was my sophomore year of college. And, you know, it doesn't take long uh, being, I mean, just any, no matter what your situation is to realize there's people that are actually believers and there's people that call themselves Christians. Yeah. Particularly, you know, your freshman year of college, it kind of, there's, you know, a lot of cho- new choices, new freedoms. Um, and to meet somebody uh, who was a brand new freshman on campus who had on his own by himself found the time place of this meet of this gathering 
was very impressive. Mm. I was very impressed, and that felt different than most of the, uh, you know, my friends and other athletes that I had met uh, the year before. So, so how long yeah. did you guys know each other before started dating? Uh, most well, <laughs> that's, that's semi disputed. Uh, oh, okay. we, I mean, throughout that fall, we were good friends. We kept bumping into each other in the dining hall and at study hall and a lot of different places and um, ended up as that athlete ministry started going, you know, shared a, a friend group and just really enjoyed each other a lot. I remember over Christmas break, hanging out with some friends back home in Colorado where I'm from. And I kept, I guess, talking about Molly, 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 my friend, Molly, my friend, Molly. And finally one of them was like, dude, are you going to ask this girl out? And really it had not occurred to me. Um, and I think a lot of that is I dated a girl in high school for a couple of years and heading into college was like, I'm not really trying to go down that road. Um, but as he heard me talk he, and he and, and his now wife heard me talk, they're like, dude, you're totally like this girl. So <laughs> I got back from, uh, from Christmas break and, um, we got as athletes, you tended to come back a few days before school started. And so, um, yeah, I think that was about the time we had our first date. And she says it wasn't really a date because <laughs> when I asked her, I was like, hey, do you want to go get something to eat? And so then we went out to dinner and I paid and then we went to a movie and I paid and we ran into one of her teammates on the way and she got embarrassed. And so that's my evidence that this was, in <laughs> fact, a date. But but I was subtle enough about it that I guess she there thought was some subtle maybe ways. we're just friends yeah. hanging out. So. So we were kind of in that space for a little while. And then actually another girl who was a mutual friend of ours uh, wanted to invite me to a sorority event and came to Molly and asked for permission. Oh. Even though we weren't dating. Right. You know, this gal said, hey, uh, Molly, is it okay if I take him to this thing as friends? And and Molly was like, no, that's, <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> More evidence. Yeah, well, I didn't actually say no, but it was the first time, like it was just this moment of like, no, you can't. Like in my head, that's definitely what I thought of. You may not, of course not. And then I kind of just realized, huh, where is that coming from? So yeah. that kind of the began some conversations between the two of us. Yeah, she then came to me and was like, "Hey, man, where where are we at here?" <laughs> you know, I think they you know call it defining the relationship or whatever. Little yeah. TTR. And you know, I mean, even though she earlier said she was impressed with my, you know taking initiative in my faith. I, as I had gotten to know Molly, I realized like she was like a real deal believer, had a lot of wisdom, a lot of maturity, a lot of experience. I had been a Christian for a few years, but really kind of viewed college as this fresh start of trying to be all in for the Lord. And so I felt very much behind her in mm -hmm. that way. And so I felt like, you know, I, I do like you and I really would like to pursue more of a committed dating relationship. I'm not sure I'm really mature enough for you. I feel like there's some things I need to learn. And so then at some point, I think it was in April, uh, not too long after actually that conversation, I, um, I said, Hey, can we, can we go out and talk? And so we went out to dinner again and this time she knew it was a date <laughs> and I, the food came and very uncharacteristically, I quickly <laughs> pushed it away and said, Hey, can we talk and, um, take it from there? Yeah. And he just said, something along the lines of this was a number of years ago now so I'm not <laughs> sure I remember it word for it but basically just I'd like to start a dating relationship with you it was much more romantic than that yeah. um, I would like sorry. to begin no. an official relationship of dating All right. um, sign here that's right and my first response because I wasn't expecting that because just previously like a week probably two weeks previously was this other conversation of Maybe someday, but not now. My first question was, so what have you learned? 
And I remember thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't know if I've really thought of that. <laughs> I don't know what happened. So, yeah, honestly, I'm not totally sure. I don't remember what I said at that moment. I'm not looking back. I don't know. Something in it just made me go, no, I think this can work. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then how long, you guys dated through college, but you guys actually got married before you graduated, correct? Molly had already graduated. Uh, it was my senior year. Okay. So we dated for about two and a half years. Okay. And um, yeah, and then got married my before my last semester. So my last semester at Illinois was playing that season was as a married guy, which yeah. was very weird. My teammates could mm-hmm. not, like, they couldn't imagine a reason why you would get married at that point in life. Did you instantly become old in their eyes? Oh, oh yeah. you're a married man. Yeah, like they would. I remember a guy like dropping me off after a late practice and me saying like, yeah, I think my wife's going to have dinner ready. And he's like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also remember sneaking out of my official room to go stay with my wife on a road trip and feeling like, is this okay? You know, but uh, yeah, it was fun. That's cool. And then uh, pretty much right after that is when we moved to Arizona. So yeah. I graduated in 2002, and we drove out here that June. And uh, this past summer, we, you know, was basically Mark's 22 years since we flew wow. here. So. Yeah, probably so, this past week, actually, yeah. at the time of the recording, middle of June. Mm-hmm. So, Molly, when you guys were uh, dating, did Luke express any interest in being in the ministry, being a pastor? Uh, eventually. That was part of the, his kind of big change through college. Because when I met him, he was going to be a baseball player, and that – was what he wanted to do. And, you know, obviously it wasn't, he was also thinking about like, you know, getting a degree in life after baseball. So that it wasn't crazy, but, um, he had a opportunity in college to go play baseball in Alaska for a couple of summers. And through that experience lived with and got to know real well, uh, a pastor there and through getting to know him and that relationship and just some opportunities he had there. And then back at school, um, really started, God really started kind of working on his heart and mm. open up the opportunity, the idea and the opportunity. And what if, you know, that ministry is actually uh, something that God is calling me to. So uh, it was a slow process of changing from, you know, I fell in love with a baseball player and married a, a well, want to be pastor. want to be pastor. <laughs> uh, well, well, let's see pastor. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, we deciding to move out here was a process of figuring out you know, how, how do we, how do we figure out if this is actually the right path? Is this truly what, um, God is calling him and us to. Mm. So, uh, briefly share a little bit about just your testimony, like how did, when, and how Jesus kind of opened your eyes to understand and love and believe the gospel. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so I grew up in a home, um, similar, you know, to the home we're trying to raise our kids in. My parents love Jesus and, they came to know him, um, you know, through college and so raised us up. You know, uh, I'm the oldest of five kids and just taught us about the Lord both uh, through, you know, we were all always a meaningful, uh, meaningfully involved in our church, but also just through their lives and their love for the Lord and their study of the word. Set a great example for us of what it meant um, to follow the Lord. And so, you know, from as early as I, I can't remember a time where um, I, I wasn't, you know, hearing about the Lord and learning about him and wanting to know him more. Um, I think for me, so I, I had a real relationship with Jesus before I went to college, but going away to college, having grown up, um, you know, I went away to school. And so, you know, I grew up in the church and home and a small Christian school. And so I was well taught and well prepared, but, um, 
going to college was definitely the biggest time of growth in my life. Did it feel like a shift, like it became more of your own? Yeah, that's right. And I I think it was my own before, but it was more, there were more opportunities to put it to the test. Yeah. And uh, just by God's, you know, there's a whole series of, um, you know, really, it doesn't take much as a kid growing up in those environments to think you're pretty some, you're, you're something, you know? (laughs) And so that was one of the main things was the Lord really revealing to me my own sin and my own need for him in very specific ways. Um, and so that was hard, you know, a process of, you know, having that revealed, but also just a gift and very sweet. Um, and that was kind of the main, you know, I think about that first year in college and, that was the main thing I think the Lord did in my life was mm. reveal my own sin to me in a in new and fresh way and just my need, my desperation, my need for the Lord. So mm. yeah. thanks for sharing, Luke. Yeah, for me, we grew up in a I grew up in a church in a family where we went to church real regularly. And um, I had a chance to hear the gospel. I had a number of times as a kid, you know, praying this some version of the sinner's prayer, asking Jesus into my heart is probably how I would have said it. Um but I don't think any of those really, looking in hindsight now, I mean, I, I imagine that I probably was sincere in some way, but I don't think, I didn't see my life change as a result of it. Um, and so my junior year of high school, I guess I'd have been 17, and some guys that I had been in a Bible study with had gone off to college, and then I was kind of back uh, still at home. And I remember one of the guys that I led the, or that had led the Bible study, he said, hey, Luke, I think we're leaving, but you should you should keep this Bible study going. I remember thinking like, no way, man. Like I, I couldn't lead a Bible study. And it wasn't long after that, that a guy that was living up the street, his name was JR. I just would kind of see him jogging around the neighborhood. He was very athletic looking and had just finished college. And so he introduced himself, actually invited me to go to church with him because he was part of this little church plant that met at some like community center. And I, again, I was kind of around all that stuff enough, went to the fellowship, fellowship of Christian athletes stuff that when he invited me, I was like, well, that's weird, but okay, I'll go. <laughs> and we ended up reading the gospel of John and we met, I think about six times cause we would basically read a chapter and talk about it. He had invited me to do this. And so we, we would just read the Bible and talk. And about the sixth time we got in chapter six and that's where Jesus is talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And it's very weird. And all these people start saying, gosh, this is too extreme. Who can accept this? And they take off. And Jesus says to the 12, you know, are you guys going to go too? And Peter ends up saying, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. And it was through that passage that JR actually said to me, hey, Luke, you know, as I've gotten to know you a little bit. And again, we only knew each other like less than a couple of months at this point, probably. But he says, I've gotten to know you a little bit. You seem like a pretty good kid, but I kind of think you're not really all in on Jesus. Like it kind of seems like you use Jesus to make yourself feel better or something. And I just, I kind of think you'd be one of these people that would walk away, which the further away I get from that conversation, the more stunned I am by it. Mm. I mean, I just don't know. Right. I'm in my early forties. I don't know many people in their forties or fifties that would have a conversation like that with anyone and have the boldness to say that to anyone, let alone a young 23 or 22 or however old JR was at the time talking. Like, that's just crazy to me that he had the boldness. And so I think that was from the Lord. And I was ticked, but I also knew he was right. And so over the next couple of weeks is when I feel like the Lord kind of put me in a headlock and said, hey, he's right. Like, <laughs> do you want me or not? Like, do you agree with Peter that I alone have the words of life or not? And if so, then like, let's really do this. And so 
that's when I think my heart was actually changed. That's when I think I was born again. Mm. And, um, and interestingly, after that, the Lord just kept putting people in my life who invested in me, discipled me, encouraged me, helped me grow. And it wasn't too long after that, too. This is one of the ways I go, like, I think there really was a change. Pretty quickly, I went, you know what? We should start that Bible study back up. Mm. And, uh, okay, I'll give that a try at leading that. And at the time, I mean, I, I didn't in any way think that would lead me to being a pastor. Like, my, or my aunt, because I'm, on my mom's side, there's a long history of Scottish Presbyterian church planners and pastors. And so one of my aunts said, well, do you think you'll be a minister? And I was like, I mean, I don't know. That's like asking, do you think you'll go to Mars? Like, <laughs> no, why would I be a minister? You know? So, um, I just knew I loved the Lord and he was great. And, um, yeah, it's kind of neat how he's allowed me to have opportunities to serve. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, so Luke, most probably of all everyone on the elder team, you're probably the one that probably is most well known by those who attend and, and worship on Sunday, but peel it back. Like what's the, what's the, if they were to follow you around for a week, like what does your week rhythm look like? Like what do you do during the week and who are you meeting with preparing for a sermon? Because a lot of people think, well, he works one day a week. Well, yeah. we know he doesn't. So <laughs> like, yeah, tell us a little Molly bit about might, Molly might have something to say about <laughs> that like. <laughs> but what does your your typical work week look like um yeah i mean one of the huge blessings of of being a pastor and especially being a lead pastor is is more than uh more than most people i have a lot of flexibility over how i arrange my week and my job and um you know there's there's some things that i have to be at that i maybe didn't pick the timing of but most things i have some flexibility over so i've tried to kind of arrange my my schedule into different buckets and, you know, sort of batch stuff. So, um, I work typically, typically Sunday through Thursday. Uh, some seasons I work on Fridays, some I don't, it just sort of depends on, you know, kind of what's going on. Um, you know, Mondays tend to be a day of, um, planning and advanced thinking. And I might have some meetings in the afternoon. I try not to have meetings in the morning cause I do my best thinking and my most best writing and, mm creativity and that sort of stuff in in the morning and I feel like you know Monday's a good day to go okay we just had a we just had Sunday what needs my attention this week what me, needs my attention in the next few weeks and so it's kind of planning looking ahead thinking you know trying to zoom out on stuff and work on it and not just the tyranny of the urgent so Monday tends to be that uh, for the most part uh, Tuesday is a big staff meeting day all our part-time staff are on campus that day and so there just tends to be a lot of meetings. Um, it's, you know, pretty much from about 10 a.m. on, there's, you know, I'm kind of coming to or from a meeting pretty much all day Tuesday, which is which is fun. Um, and part of how I've realized I work is like, I, and I think some of this is being an only child, is um, I don't mind being alone. I actually like being alone. And I think to some degree I'm really recharged by being alone, but I also if I'm alone too long, I need an outlet. And so having a little bit of that back and forth, you know, having Sunday be this like tons of high, high extrovert needed high people, you know, and then being able to kind of drop down on Monday and get some distance and then kind of ramp back up Tuesday. And anyway, so, uh, and then Wednesday tends to be a day that I'm connected with other redemption church pastors. For the most part, we typically do our preaching collective that morning um, where we're studying the passage that's going to be preached a couple weeks from then. 
And then Wednesday afternoon is a little bit miscellaneous. Sometimes it's studying, sometimes it's meeting with people, sometimes it's, you know, connecting with other pastors in the city, whatever. Friday, or I'm sorry, Thursday then is typically like the blocked out, other than perhaps a lunch meeting, I'm unavailable. I have an appointment and it is with myself and the Lord <laughs> to craft the sermon. So um, most of the time I, I leave Thursday afternoon and it's done. Mostly, occasionally, you know, that doesn't happen. But most of the time, that's the case. Um, and and then I really, as far as the preaching thing, because that's what people sometimes ask about, I, I don't really pick it up or think about it again until Sunday morning. Really? Most wow. So okay. I know some pastors that will, like, spend all day Saturday polishing it, and I sort of feel like it's as good as it's going to get. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I actually... I mean, occasionally I'll, something will pop in my head and I'll add it to my notes or something. But then I pretty, you know, I pretty well kind of tune it out, turn it off until Sunday morning. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of the kind of deal. Friday, again, varies a lot. You know, we've had some times where it's more of a day off, some times where I'm working on other side projects, some days, sometimes where, you know, there's particular things that need my attention. Um, and then Saturday, for the most part, is almost always a kind of Sabbath. Um, and I think... You know, we may talk about that more later, but yeah, that's, that's the week and it's, um, you know, a good bit of it's preaching, but I preach really about 33 times a year. So that's, I don't know what that is, 60, 65%. And so, um, a lot of my time and energy is really thinking about how do I lead this staff? How do I lead this church? How do I identify and find uh, people in the church who, you know, need an encouragement for me or whatever. So that's kind of the, I don't know. I, Maybe people will care about that. Um, <laughs> that feels kind of mind-numbingly boring to me to talk about, but hey, there it is. So. No, no, that's that's interesting. Do you still ask Molly on the drive home, hey, how was the sermon? Because I'm sure you probably did a lot in the beginning. Well, we almost never ride home together, <laughs> oh, uh, okay. honestly, because, you know, I get here early and, uh, you know, but no, not usually. No. Like, sometimes no. she'll tell me what she thought <laughs> of it, but... I mean, I remember early on saying, like, do you want me to, before I preach to, like, do you want to talk through this, right? Um, and she was like, no. Like, unless it, unless you're going to tell a story about me or the kids, I don't really want to know about it. I'd kind of like to just be a normal person getting to hear it like everyone else on Sunday. And then, yeah, we, you know, I don't know. I bet 70% of the time we have some kind of conversation about whatever the sermon was, but... You know, it's never like, boy, your gestures were really on point today. It's, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever impacted her. So, yeah. yeah. Molly, what does your week look like? Um, well, it's summer break right now. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it is. Um, but, uh, you know, before that, I, uh, you know, three of our kids are in school. Our youngest, Hank, um, I homeschooled him for kindergarten this past year. We've kind of done that with our kids, homeschool them a couple of years and then send them off. So this was his kindergarten year, and so he and I did school. And, uh, you know, the fourth time around, kindergarten, you know, you kind of <laughs> just do do the essentials. And, uh, yeah, but it was a good year. So, that yeah, that's a lot of what I, you know, do during the that day. That would be a funny morning. thing to somehow capture your first year of doing homeschool kindergarten yeah. compared to your last one. <laughs> it looks a little different. How, how does it look different? Um, I was a little bit more high strung with Abby, <laughs> which could explain her sweetness. Some of it. No. Um, 
No, yeah. I mean, because I, you, the first time you do anything, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And so, you know, I, we would do a lot more time and a lot more subjects and a lot more checking boxes where with Hank, it's a little more free flowing. And I mean, he, he got a good kindergarten education this year, but, um, you know, I, it can be a little more child led and I can react a little more to what he's into and not have to follow a script quite as much, yeah. uh, you know, the fourth time around. So, and he's a boy, so there's not a whole lot of sitting for very long. So we're up and, you know, doing math facts by throwing the baseball back and forth across the living room. So nice. <laughs> anyway. Has, has uh, your week changed or are your schedule changed now that you have a driver in the house? Very much so. Yes. Um, it's now just doable. I think my, our lives, <laughs> you know, our kids, uh, you know, I have just like everyone else's have sports and activities and piano lessons and whatnot. And, you know, I, with your first kid leading up to them driving, it always, it seems like this big, really scary, really dangerous thing. And then you realize by the time you get there, it is still dangerous and scary, but thank goodness they can drive now because I don't know how, you know, just with the load um, of driving to have her be able to drive now is great. And, you know, she's a great driver and helps drive the kids around and to be able to send someone else to Safeway for (laughs) an ingredient is uh, wonderful. Yeah. I have to imagine one of the questions that people probably be thinking is, what's it like to be a pastor's wife? Do you feel a lot of pressure? Is it, you know, are there times when it's uncomfortable or, or what are some of the joys and benefits? You know, like, cause I'm, I'm, you've never been married to a pastor. This was your first rodeo. So like what, what's it been like or what, what have you kind of navigated as being a pastor's wife? Yeah. Well, there are a lot of answers to that question, but overall it's, my experience has been very, very positive of that, of being a pastor's wife. Um, we grew up, so to speak, in ministry at East Valley Bible Church, Redemption Gilbert, and I cannot imagine a better place to begin and grow up in ministry. It was, I remember sitting, as soon as Luke got um, hired, sitting with his boss at the time and asking him, like, okay, like, he's a pastor, like, what do I do? Like, what's my job? And he kind of looked at me, like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what do I, like, what do I do? Like, what, what do you, what's my role here? And he's like, just be a Christian and serve where you wow. want to with your gifts and that's huge. Be a wife. And, and yeah, I was he said, like, he said, we didn't get a oh, two for one. That's right. Wow. You know. Yeah. So to grow up in that environment where they did, but in terms of the quality of person, absolutely. <laughs> okay. But not in terms of the expectation. No, yeah, there was no expectation and it wasn't like, it wasn't just said that there was no expectation they're actually living it out in reality was no expectation so um so that is the type of environment we grew up in and the type of environment we have tried to continue here at gateway both you know as we interact as pastor's wives you know there is a uniqueness of course when your husband is a pastor um but we try to you know interact and encourage each other and be normal (laughs) and then also from from our husbands, there's no, you know, we don't, I, I don't, I guess I should just speak for myself. I don't, I continue to not feel pressure to be anything or do any specific role or um, anything like that. Now, that doesn't mean that other people don't, like, I don't feel it from the leadership. I don't feel from my husband, but I, sometimes there are awkward situations and mm. things that, you know, pressures and um, expectations that people put on me and sometimes I feel that and I what would be without naming specific people like what would be a couple examples of stuff like that 
Yeah. Where it's probably people don't even realize they're doing it. Oh, it's no. well-meaning. And of course. Yeah. No one's out to, no one's out to get us. Yeah. I, don't, I don't feel that. Um, there's, uh, I sometimes sense just people, um, uh, exp- think that I know everything that's going on at the church. So there's that kind of, well, you know, well, what do you think? Well, you know, and I, and I do think sometimes I feel, um, there's been moments in the past where people have come up to me and I just sense this kind of like strangeness, like this awkwardness that they're approaching me with where, you know, maybe I'd ask Luke afterwards, like, why was this person acting like this? And they're like, oh, well, they're going through some stuff. And I'm like, Mm. okay, so they thought I knew what their issues were. And sometimes I think like it's appropriate, like it is not my business to know people's business, (laughs) but, um, my, I do think sometimes uh, my not knowing can come kind of across as maybe callous or, mm. um, but I just, it's not my business. So yeah. <laughs> one of our goals has been to try to make a situation where Molly can really like or dislike whoever on the basis of that, <laughs> yeah, not on the basis of me uh, poisoning it. You know, like someone might be critical of me for something or someone might, you know, share something difficult going on in their life or unsavory going on in their life. And I just feel like it's, it would be totally inappropriate for me to like tell her all that. Yeah. hundred you know? percent. Um, and so, but when people assume I have and they think she knows the dirt, but isn't expressing care for them, they feel sometimes maybe unloved. Like yeah. how come, man, you knew all this and you didn't reach out to me and you're like, I didn't know, that. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember early on, this would be interesting to me, in our old building especially, this was especially when the kids were younger, you would have what you would sometimes call backdoor Sundays, right? Yeah. In, that, in that space, for those that you know, have only experienced our current campus, in that space there was like one main door in the lobby and then a little side back door, but pretty much everyone came through the main lobby and you would have some days where you're like, today's a backdoor Sunday. Like, I'm going to sneak in a little <laughs> backdoor. I just don't have the... T- tell people that like what is that yeah um it may be every mom in the world wishes they had a back door you know into church sometimes that's right um again i think that is born out of generally our experiences when people are so friendly and loving and genuine and there are sometimes sundays and this is like you said particularly in that context where it was like i just don't have the energy the desire to like walk th- all the way through that front lobby and receive everybody's greetings and have to, you know, it sounds so selfish saying it, but like, you know, interact with everybody and, uh, you know, receive their greetings and care for them. And, you know, there's sometimes some, you know, just hearing what's gone in that week anyway. Well, yeah, especially because on those Sundays, just, you're like a single mom. Sure. Because I'm here, you're carting everybody yeah, by yourself. Yeah, and that was probably, honestly, mo- a lot of, like, looking back, that was probably just as much of the issue of just, I've got however many little kids on my own getting them ready for church, and we barely survived that whole process, so let's just go in the back door and uh, drop them off and as quick as I can. So, so would you say that by extension of uh, being married to Luke, that there's a level of people expect there's a, you're going to shepherd them also. You're You're part of kind of the shepherding environment of the church um like you're going to be bearing a lot of their weight and issues and things that they're struggling with occasionally yeah occasionally but again i think 
It's pretty rare. I, think. I, I do oh, think it is pretty rare. I just, I really do think it's most, yeah, no, I, th- I think we, the culture has been set in terms of, um, mm. it's not a two for one. I'm not a pastor at this church. Yeah. Um, I love the church. I love that we're here. I love the people, but, um, and I have lots of great friends and, you know, everybody. Um, so babe, um, I'm, I'm curious for you to talk about, uh, holidays. What's that like for you as a pastor's wife? Um, like I, this is something mm-hmm. to me I bet most people would never think about. Yeah, holidays stink. They really do. <laughs> and I've uh, figured out over the years ways to make them not stink or just be less stinky. But, I mean, Easter and Christmas Eve are some of my least favorite days of the year. In terms of, uh, not in my spiritual, in my time with Jesus and my relationship with him, but and even in the life of the church, like, I love coming to church on those days. But every other moment, in terms of, like, family, uh, is, yeah, it stinks. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a big house where Christmas Eve and Easter were the days where everybody was together all day long, and we went to church together, and we came back to someone's house together, and we had f- food together. And so that that was, you know, that was how I grew up. And, uh, you know, now uh, with, you know, you being a pastor and being gone all day long, it's just different. Yeah. And so I remember one Easter, I don't know, I think we had, this was before Hank was born. So at least, I don't know, seven, six or seven years ago, it was Easter and you got home and I was in like such a stinky mood and so upset that I had, been, had cleaned the ovens, like turn on <laughs> the oven clean mode, which is a terrible thing to do because it makes the house stink and it was hot anyway. So I couldn't open the windows and <laughs> you got home and you were like, what is happening here? <laughs> and I was like, it was just kind of this moment of like, all right, we've got to figure out a different way to deal with this, mm. like just unmet expectation instead of like coming home and like pouting essentially and yeah. like cleaning the ovens. And so we've, you know, as the kids have gotten older, we've instituted some different traditions. So we do a lot of hikes and, um, on those days or just do something fun to make, cause it's, it's for them too. You know, I want it, those days to be fun for them. And I just realized like pouting is never a good. <laughs> Can I ask one more little sure. follow up on that? So just related to your perspective in, of the church. So there's two things that are in my mind kind of related, but maybe sort of opposites. Uh, and I just would love you to talk about this. One of them is sometimes you'll look at me and go, who are all these people? <laughs> and um, and then the other is just our experience when there's a baptism. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you and I just, when we're watching a baptism, like we just can barely get through it emotionally because it feels like, well, this is, this is what we did this for. Like this is the whole point. Like in these moments of baptism, like seeing people, uh, you know, expressing their faith in Jesus where it's like, it's very emotional for us and it's very, it's just beautiful. And it's just a really great reminder. Um, and then, yeah, the, who are all these people, <laughs> you know, cause I, we're just normal people and God has done something really great through this church. And so there's just a moment of like, why, what? Sometimes you'd be like, why do they all come here? <laughs> what are you I'm saying like, about my preaching, honey? Honey, well, because I'm the best. No. no, but there is a real thing of like, man, God is doing something beyond our relational capacity. And that's, that's cool. And it's also weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it just, 
it's kind of a funny thing we say to each other now. It's kind of a little bit of a joke, but um, it is also just re- just a reminder of just how many people God has brought, like the team, you know, from day one, the team, like the team of people that have committed their lives and their themselves to this church to make it what it is, is been, uh, it's been amazing. And it's uh, just so fun to reflect on. Yeah. I agree. So when you're not leading a church and um, doing uh, kindergarten <laughs> and going on hikes, what do you guys like to do for fun as a, either a couple or as a family? Yeah, I think for Luke and I, we're both big sports people. So we like to watch sports. We like to, I mean, sometimes we like to play sports. Yeah. We like to exercise. And now we're in a season where we like really are enjoying watching our kids play sports. So that's a lot of what we do. Um, you know, we've got, kids doing all sorts of things. So most Saturdays now are following them around and, you know, it can become tiresome of course, but in general, we really, really enjoy it Yeah, and just get a kick out of watching them. Mm-hmm. I feel like another thing is most weekends at some point we'll have a big family meal. Maybe it's a breakfast. Sometimes it's a dinner. And usually because one of my hobbies that helps me just kind of decompress is cooking um, and it gives Molly a break. A lot of times that'll be something we'll experience on a weekend is, is a big family meal of some sort. So that's, we do that for fun. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of sports um, and just anything our kids are into. I mean, like our oldest is not really into sports at all, um, but she's into music and she acts. And it's like, you know, when she has a play at school, we go to every performance it, or one of us makes it to every performance <laughs> at least, um, you know? And so, yeah, like this is a, this is a season, as you know, Jeffrey, you know, now that you're an empty nester, like th- it doesn't last forever. So we're trying to make the most of it. Um, you know, and then you mentioned hiking. Yeah, we do like to go hiking. We do. I mean, uh, probably a little bit of a hobby in the last few years is just sitting on the front porch and having a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. And just Molly created this little oasis out on our front porch. And uh, when the weather's nice, we'll just kind of sit out there and chat. And yeah, that's been great. Nice. So how how have you seen God use each other for in your marriage to grow? Grow spiritually, grow personally. Yeah, I mean, um both of us are pretty steady people, but Molly is even more steady than I am. And so I think there's just a there's a calmness and a level-headedness that she has brought to our family and to our, to me and to our marriage that um you know, especially when there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of people and a lot of, I mean, um, you know, you'll hear people, people will go, man, you got three daughters. Like, oof, wow, that's going to be hard when they're teenagers. Well, two of them are teenagers and there's days that are hard, but like, it's not insane all the time. And things are largely like fairly emotionally under control. And I think a lot of that is Molly's presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the tone that she sets, you know, in terms of that. So that's one of the first things that comes to mind. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things I just uh, appreciate most about Luke is I feel like in the last, I don't know, five or ten years, he's really, um, I think his emotional, he's just more emotional. <laughs> and I think one of the w- one of the ways that that comes out is in his love for the Lord. And he, I don't know, I guess you kind of catch this on when he's preaching and he's on stage, but his, he's, he's, a, he's a crier. He really is. And not like obnoxiously but like when he is moved in his heart by the lord he it it comes out and i am pretty steady and i am 
more task oriented and sometimes I can lose the people and lose the emotion. And that's something that he's done for me Mm. is to bring me back to that as I watch him like grow in his like just affection and emotion and love for the Lord. And then just watching him, how he parents. And again, he's a crier when it comes to the kids and anything about being a parent is it just moves his heart. And I love that, and I um, feel like I've learned from that and I've tried to grow with him in that as he's grown. Mm. How, how does it feel to, like, parent together? Like, what, what are, like, some of your strengths in terms of parenting and what are some strengths or areas where you're like, man, I wish we could figure this out? And, you know, so parenting together, what does it look like in the Simmons home? Yeah, in, in ways that I don't know completely why it is this way, we're just very on the same page. Um, we haven't, you know, for people that aren't on the same page, they won't find this helpful um, because we've, we didn't have to learn to get on the same page. We just have been on the same page in terms of the big picture of like, what's most important? How do we approach discipline? What are we really trying to build? You know, um, instincts on decisions are often very similar. So that's been a huge blessing. Um, and again, I, I wouldn't know how to help people form that if they don't have it. But um, so, yeah, being being parents together has been great. Like, it, I feel like our I like every part of life with Molly. Yeah. It's like really great. So that's part of it, too. Um, it is. I mean, there's a challenge right now to this season where you've got, you know, I mean, having a six year old and a about to be high school senior is just they're in totally different planets you know so figuring out how to do that I think it, it also having some younger kids has made it a little harder to give our older kids some of the freedom that they needed mm. at the pace they probably needed it um, but even that's coming around I think um, so I mean I don't know that we have uh, unique challenges like our kids are dealing with the stuff every kid's dealing with and we're trying to help with that um, but do you think that comes to mind for me? What would, would you add anything? Or well, I was going to, I was going to say uh, due to parenting, do you think that was because your both of your families had very similar core values? Even though you're an only child, you're a, uh, you had five kids in the home, mm-hmm. but did, did both of your families, if you look at both of your parents and the homes and the environments that you're raised in had kind of some similar attributes or qualities or core values that were kind of, yeah, I mean, I, like, I think one of them would be, um, I think in both of our families, the core goal for our parents was not our immediate happiness, mm. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and um, now it's very, I mean, having one kid versus having five kids and the level of focus and attention and experiences, I mean, obviously that ends up being real different, um, and but, but yeah, I mean, my parents and your parents, n- neither of them were like, oh no, they're unhappy right this second. We better fix it. <laughs> it was like, no. no, sometimes like that's just how it goes. So that, that's what comes to mind for me. What would you say? Yeah, I think, again, the dynamics were very different, but I do think like we've reflected it numerous times throughout our marriage and just raising kids of how I think both of us having just the simple fact of both of us come from intact homes where mom and dad are together and love each other like that feels special that feels special. it is a gift and it's not to be taken for granted and we don't and and I think big picture they were very similar I think uh what he had said I also think the idea of respect was big in both of our homes growing up and that's something that you know 
as, as we've tried to carry over. So, and I think too, I, I think we, we both have parents who treated us with respect. And I think that maybe is, I don't know. We don't talk about this a lot, but like one of the things that's driven us in our approach to being parents is to say, these are human beings worthy of respect. And just because we have power over them doesn't mean that we can disrespect them. And I think maybe that was something else we got from our parents. Yeah. And I know our parents pray for us and our kids and other Mm -hmm. people do too a ton. And so I don't want to lose that. And all of this is just sure grace and uh, just God answering prayers for our kids. And yeah. And and even that, I mean that taking that back to the conversation about what's it like being a pastor and pastor's family. One of the things that I literally cannot calculate is, um, and I am a crier. Um, I can't calculate the blessing of hundreds of people praying for our family mm. every week. Yeah. Some every day. Um, I can't possibly know what that saves us from. And uh, I, I can imagine, I think, what that gets us through because I know what we're getting through. Mm. Um, but I don't even know what it, like what the Lord doesn't allow to come our way because of, how he protects us through the prayers of people or the way that he gives us strength. So I feel like that's, that's a huge blessing. Mm. So Luke, you play, uh, or you have kind of a unique role and experience of being on the elder team because you're the founding pastor, uh, and you're also the elder, but you also, you know, have wear many hats within kind of being on staff and also with larger redemption church, Arizona. Um, how do you see kind of God using some of your your abilities and attributes or things that you're passionate about kind of in your role, both as a pastor, as an elder, as a leader? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, some of it is just the way God has wired and gifted me is to be catalytic, um, to be a, hey, let's give this a try kind of a thing. Um, I think I'm a little more entrepreneurial than most people, Um and so that just has with it like a, Hey, let's move, let's go, let's do something. Um, you know, I'm working with a, with a leadership coach right now. And he, after our first call was like, when I experience you, I just experience like big 10, like there's kind of like a, <laughs> Hey, let's go like kind of yeah. thing to you. And so I think I bring that to a lot of the environments that I'm in. And, um, I think because I realized that you need more than that, I'm really grateful for all the people who bring other kinds of energy and other kinds of dynamic to it. Um, so, but I think that's part of what I contribute. Mm, that's great. So uh, what have you seen or kind of experienced over the last couple of years with the elder team and some of the things that we've had to navigate COVID and politics and just, you know, all the shifting things going on within our culture. Like what have you learned and seen from us as an elder team, as your as, uh, the leaders, um, from kind of being part of that. Yeah, man, it's such a great group of guys. I mean, it really is. And I love the, um, I love what we have in common. And then I also love how different we are, right? There's a real common affection for the Lord, commitment to his word, uh, desire to honor him, uh, desire to be present and be, you know, a, a dad and a husband. And, you know, so I, all that that's in common, but then there really are real different personalities. I mean, there's some guys that are ready, fire, aim. Uh, you know, there are some guys who are going to, you know, measure twice. Okay. No measure 10 times cut once, you know, and there's other guys that are like measure. Why do that? Let's go, you know? And so I think there's a good balance there. There's some people who 
you don't talk as much, but when they do, everyone kind of leans in and listens. Um, it's just a really great group of guys. And I think to some degree, I mean, the last few years have really have tested everybody, tested our team. And, and I, I think we've all grown a lot through it. Um, and so I'm really grateful for, for the guys. I'm grateful for their care and concern for me. Um, and, um, you know, I, I feel it, it's an interesting thing to be, and I don't know if, I don't know how many people will have experiences that will help them relate to this, but there's a, there's a dual dynamic where it's like the elders, I really do feel like are genuine caring friends who have my back and they're not yes men. Mm. And so I don't know exactly how to explain that, but I mean, I get pushed back on and, um, and I get challenged and, and also I don't feel like anyone on the team is just trying to like, you know, put me in my place or something like that. So that it really is like there's genuine collaboration, but enough respect and courage that it's not just like a rubber stamp group, you know? So yeah, man, it's a, it's been a great team. Well, especially during COVID. I mean, I thought, you oh, know, man. I remember meeting for breakfast and it was like, are we uh, meeting on Sunday or are we going to have to fire up the, the, the video and, and record this thing? Yeah, that was a year where, I mean, uh, everybody was going, I didn't think I signed up for this, <laughs> you know, but um, amazingly, I mean, I, and I wouldn't fault anybody for wanting to step back after a year like that, but I'm grateful that the guys all felt like, no, this is why we're here. And, um, and the team will change over time. At some point, someone else will step off and someone else will join in. And like, I mean, that, that, that happens. So that's okay. I don't, I don't imagine that this group will be the group forever. I, that probably would be a problem actually for different reasons yeah. if that was forever the case, but to have some cohesion and some longevity, I think is valuable. Do you get questions about the elder team often? Uh, not as much as I'd like to, mm. honestly, which I think, I mean, we have, uh, you know, we have a list of like ways that we, you know, kind of imagine the the elders functioning. And one of them is that, you know, most of the time the elders are functioning like firefighters playing cards in the, in the firehouse, you know, they're ready in case there's a crisis, but they're, and some days they're so bored, they kind of wish there was one. I don't know if anyone wishes that anymore <laughs> <laughs> after the last few years, but um, yeah, I, I wish the elders were more known. That's why I'm really glad you're doing this for this season, because I think for, for people to know, I mean, um, there, there is a sense in which I, I can't explain this, Jeffrey, but I feel like the somehow in a mystical way, the Lord reproduces the relationships of the leaders in a church. Mm. Um, and so even if people have no idea who a certain elder is, they are being formed by the relationships of who those men are and the relationships we have with each other. And so I think for people to know more about that is really good for them. Yeah, I think it's, it was really interesting, especially during the COVID uh, kind of season, how we were all really connected to a very different set of group of people. Mm-hmm. So as we were fielding questions and mass, no mass, and all this other stuff, we I, I was listening to everyone. You know, we'd have different meetings, and you know, we had to make decisions. Um, and it was like everyone had kind of their – it sounds weird, it constituency, but I mean, kind of their own group of people that they were kind of really connected and it wasn't, uh, they weren't a lot of overlap. Like we had yeah. relationships across the, the congregation. All right, let's wrap up with some fun questions. Um, how do you like to Sabbath? Rapid uh, fire. Weekly. Weekly. <laughs> and what do you like to do? 
in an ideal world, I'd we'd sleep in more. Uh, we'd have a slower morning. We'd have a big breakfast. We'd work out. We'd watch some kind of game, either our kids or uh, some other team we cared about. And we would maybe doze off and take a nap in the afternoon and, you know, have just nothing to do. On Saturdays. Yeah. Is our Saturday, is our Sabbath. Yes. No, that sounds pretty great. Sounds but pretty it's great. Saturday, Sabbath, uh, I'm, I'm assuming better in the fall with college football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything's better with college football. That is true. What are the three most important apps on your phone? Uh, the ones I, well, important or the ones I use the most? Doesn't matter. Oh, three That's most, three most important distinction. Yeah, that is an interesting distinction. Important. Um, I use maps a lot. And not because I don't know where I'm going, but because it feels like everywhere I go, there's 17 different ways to get there. And I want to know the fastest because <laughs> I'm on a schedule. <laughs> so maps, um, I use Instagram a lot. I like Instagram. I don't ever post on Instagram very much, but I like looking at it. So that would be not important, but when you use Well, it, it is important because I feel like that's a lot of how organizations my kids are involved in communicate these days. Oh. So it is important. Okay. And then texting because I'm texting, I like texting, but also because I can track where my driver is <laughs> and my children. <laughs> where my driver Because is. as they get older, you sometimes <laughs> just don't know where they are, which is a very strange feeling. Yeah. Uh, so those are the three. So are your kids good at texting? Um, I have one. No, because one of them is not actually married to her phone, which is wonderful. But She I, could care less about it. Yeah, it's so great. And then the other one. Is more like has is more with her phone, but doesn't respond very much. Oh, yeah. So she gets the message, but doesn't let us know that she gets the message unless it's like, please respond. <laughs> Which, yeah. What about you, Luke? What are your three? Uh, I'd say texting. I mean, obviously, you got to be able to communicate that way. Uh, and then probably say Spotify, just because I love music and um, listen to music a lot. And then a third one uh, probably would be the camera. You know, I mean, I, and I neither of us are, like, constantly taking pictures. We probably should take more pictures, capture more memories. But it really is fun when you can go back and look and say, oh, wow, here's this video or here's this picture or here's this moment with our family. I feel like in terms of the long run, that will, that will feel important. Nice. Where do you like to vacation? Um, and they can be different, obviously. Yeah. I mean, we vacation the same place everybody likes to go for vacation is Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. Who oh, hasn't been there? Oh, my gosh. Beautiful. Especially we actually found an article that, that <laughs> listed the like best or most affordable places to vacation, and Toledo was number one on the list, which is a great hey, place. Yeah. Especially this time of year, kind of. Mid-June, we're anticipating a trip to Ohio, uh, which is where I'm from and where most of my family still lives. And so right now my answer is Toledo. All right. Especially yeah, in the summer. And then I'd say Only San Diego. Yeah, we San Diego. We've gone to San Diego a lot as a family. A few years ago, we did a thing where over spring break, every day we went to a different taco shop and tried to figure out what the best one was. But, yeah, we've got a lot of spots we like there. So what makes you laugh more, physical comedy or verbal comedy? Verbal for me. Definitely physical for me. 
Yeah. <laughs> Classic Jim Carrey or like uh, Elaine and Kramer on Seinfeld. Oh, like gosh, that stuff yeah. just cracks. I just Whenever Elaine shoves somebody, yeah, I just she just loses it. it. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> and your favorite book, the Bible. Oh, man. Uh, I, I don't know. This was supposed to be rapid fire. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, what would you say, honey? <laughs> uh, I would say Hebrews. Um, it's been meaningful to me for a very long time. And I just love, you know, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And I just really, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's probably either Romans or Genesis. Nice. Great. Well, Luke and Molly, we love you. Thank you for your courage for both of you to say, you know, let's uh, let's go out on in faith and start a church, Second Mile Church, and then to grow it and to put in all the time and the effort and the sweat and the tears, I'm sure, and then for us to, to be at this place. I mean, I, you, we've mentioned it a couple of times, I mean, just God's grace and provision. But uh, thank you both for your time, and thank you for leading us, uh, Luke, and uh, being part of the elder team. But uh, we hope this has been fun. We love you guys so much. Uh, thank you for listening, and talk to you.